pray that we leave all our worries at the door today and can just come in here in honest, passionate pursuit of you. Be with Ben as he delivers this message that would just penetrate all the hearts in this room. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Awesome, I don't, awesome, awesome, I don't get no shine no more. Awesome, I die, awesome, I time, don't got no time no more. Some friends don't say. Some friends just say. So, um, do I have any um, fans in here? Not Magic the Gathering, the card game, and not the Orlando Magic. Do I have any fans of, like, magic tricks? You guys, you guys are, like, the most helpful people I've ever met. I appreciate it. I'm, I'm a, like, this is, like, one of the million dorky things about me. I love magic tricks. I put out the word this week to try and find a magician to come out and do some tricks and wow you all. I'm really glad that nobody came through because clearly none of y'all would have been impressed. <laughs> like, oh, magic, gosh, cool, yeah. Guy pulls a card out of the crow, whatever. But I really like magic tricks. I like watching magicians. I need, to, I need to add a disclaimer, though. I don't like, you know, like, I got a magic trick. You want to see a pencil disappear? Like, I don't like that kind of magic. None of y'all have ever watched Batman movies. Okay, so we'll move on. Um, I also don't like the David Blaine kind of magic where it's clear in my opinion, that man has sold his soul to the devil and like does some real weird stuff. I like the kind of magic, like the family-friendly magic you watch on America's Got Talent because I'm a really big dork and we watch America's Got Talent at our house. I couldn't care less about the singers with the sappy stories or the 400-person the dance troupe that has like 7,000 choreographers. I don't care about those people. I just want to watch the magicians on America's Got Talent. They're my favorite, right? And they've got all these tricks and they're doing all this stuff. I really like magic. And here's my favorite part about a magic show or a magic trick. It's not when the trick, like when the trick's happening, it's when the trick's over, because my next step is to go online and figure out how they did the trick. Like, I, I don't ever want to do it myself, because I'm not coordinated enough to do sleight of hand. Like, I thought about trying to learn how to do a trick or something, and obviously y'all wouldn't have been impressed anyway, so it doesn't matter, but I, I can't do it. But as soon as they're done with a trick online, one of my very favorite things to do is to go, or on, on TV, one of my favorite things to do is go online and figure out how they did it, right? Because it's so cool. And I'm like, how do they do that? And then I'm like, oh, that makes total sense. But I never would have gotten it in a million years. This is going really well. <laughs> Y'all are really impressed. Like, yeah, cool, magic, sweet. Glad we came today. This is awesome. Um, like, okay, let's try this. Maybe, maybe anybody else like me, if someone puts a, a Christmas present under the tree, you're going to get the box out and shake it, right? And you're like, what's in there? What's in there? What is it? What is it? Like, I know, I know, right? Right? That's me. I can't, I, I don't like secrets. I don't like to not know things. Or maybe you're like those people, those PETA people who, when you're eating a hamburger, is like, do you know where that came from? And I always say, yeah, I drove by it this morning and it was delicious, right? Like, I thought at least that one would work. I'm going to be here for the next 30 minutes, whether you like it or not. So there's this thing about, about understanding how things work, right? There's, there's this moment when you're, I think everybody's mad because I mentioned PETA. Like as soon as I said that, half the crowd went, 
I don't like those people very much. I don't either. They take away all my good food. Like, let's go with this. So there's this thing about understanding how things work, right? And some of you all, like, you, you haven't thought about it, and that's okay. But then there, there's some of the room who, who sees a magic trick, who sees a secret, who sees something, and wants to know, how does that happen? And it's kind of like, uh, I don't know if you guys remember this, but about a month ago, we talked about the parable of the sower, right? And we passed out as you left that day. We, we told the parable of the sower about the farmer who goes out and who scatters seed. And as we left that day, we passed out to every family, we passed out a packet of seed. And some of you got basil, and some of you got bay leaves, and some of you got um, morning glories. And you got different seeds, just kind of depending on where you were, where you fell in, in the walkout. And, and we, we told you, your challenge was to go home and, and to find a good spot at the house and, to, and to, to bury the seed and to take care of the seed and to grow it into something. And the reason we did that was because we were talking all summer about what the endless summer would look like and about how God called each of us to be the kind of people who plant seeds and to be the kind of people who constantly are, are planting seeds and sharing the gospel with other people and telling other people about what it's like to follow Jesus. And then after we plant seeds, to water them and to care for them, right? Because you all know that if you're going to grow something, if you're going to change something, it, it's not just as if you can drop a seed on the ground and walk away. It starts with cultivating the soil. It starts with digging a hole and finding the right spot. And then, and then you have to water it and work it and grow it and continue all the way until it's done. None of it happens by accident. And in order for the seed and the produce to absolutely flourish, you have to do all of it on purpose. And so we started talking about all of this, and we started talking about how important it was for us to realize that this is the story that Jesus is telling about us as people who follow Jesus, sharing our faith with other people. Right? Because there's a lot of pressure that comes for a farmer planting seeds. There's a lot of pressure that comes when it comes time for you to, to, to put the seed out because this is your family's livelihood, because this is, this is your family's income. And especially in the first century when Jesus was telling this story, this wasn't just some kind of thing that was <laughs> this is just what we do for fun. This was everything. And so when Jesus is telling the story of the farmer, the people who were listening would understand how important what they were doing in this story would be. Only he's not telling a story about growing some wheat. He's telling a much bigger story. You see, he's telling a story about reaching out to the people who don't know the gospel. He's telling a story about spreading the kingdom of God to the people who haven't yet met Jesus. You see, if he was telling this story in this room today, he'd be talking about telling this story to the 50,000. Within a 20-mile radius of this building, there's 75,000 people who call this area home. And of those 75,000, 50,000 of them don't have a relationship with Jesus. 50,000 of them don't know the gospel. And so when Jesus is talking about planting seeds, he's talking about reaching out to those people. And he very intentionally tells the story as a story of a farmer. Because when he's intentionally telling the story of a farmer, he's intentionally telling a story of work. 
Because you see, when you reach people, when you're trying to share the gospel with people, reaching people takes work. Reaching people doesn't come easily. There are churches who try to do it easily, and you you can find them all over town. You can find them all over the country. Churches who try to reach people easily um, put catchy sayings out on their signs all the time and just hope that's going to be what draws people in. Churches who try to reach people easily uh, host, you know, like hymn sings and gospel quartets and think that's going to be what does it. Churches who try to reach people easily hold picket signs when they think it's necessary because they're pretty sure that's what's going to do it. But churches who know that it takes work, churches who know that it takes intentionality, are churches who constantly work at loving their neighbor and reaching out to the people around them. When I was in elementary school and and throughout my family's life at R.C. Hensley Elementary, every year on Arbor Day, the Arbor Foundation gave every student in our elementary school a small evergreen tree to plant in our yard. And so for the 16 years that a a Stroop was a student at R.C. Hinsdale, we came home with at least one evergreen tree to plant in the yard. And so there were all these years where we brought home trees and we would all go out in the backyard that day or in the side yard and we'd dig a hole and we'd plant the tree in the ground and for like a day or two we'd water it, right? Because we were eight, nine, ten years old, you know how it goes, like we'd be really excited about it and then we'd forget and it would die, But then a couple of months ago, we were driving by the house um, where I grew up in northern Kentucky, and we were driving by, and there's one tree that's still left. Of the 16, 17, 18, 20-some trees that we planted in our lifetime that we got them from the Arbor Foundation, there's one tree that's still left. I tell my siblings that it's one that I planted because I'm the preacher, so I have the microphone, and it's going to work that way. (laughs) I don't remember whose it was, but it's the one that survived out of the 20 or so. And it's not because we remembered to water that one and take work. It's because it happened by accident. Because the reality was none of the 20 or so that we planted got the right amount of work. None of them were probably planted in the proper place. None of them were weeded around properly. None of them were watered properly. We just kind of did it and then forgot about it. But the one survived, and it's now bigger than the house, and it keeps growing, and it's kind of neat to see that one of them happened. But the other 19 or more didn't survive because they won't survive by accident. It takes work. Just like most of the people we know and love won't hear the gospel by accident, it takes work. What's interesting, and until recently, really until the last 50 years or so, one of the great mysteries of life was how a seed grows. And really, if you've not done much research into it, and I hadn't until researching this week for this sermon, it's a really fascinating thought if you've never thought about what happens once a seed is underground, once a seed kind of is triggered, how does a seed work? And until modern science in the last 50 to 100 years, no one had any idea what happened once the seed was underground. It was one of life's great mysteries. You know, they they kind of understood that there must be something that opens up, you know, and they kind of got it, but it was this great mystery that no one really knew. They knew that if they scattered it in the right place, they knew that if they buried it under the right ground and they put it in the right spot and they treated it the right way that it would work, but the fact of the matter was, is that if they, they didn't really understand how. 
It was like this magic trick that no one could explain. And so Jesus tells the story of the farmer who goes out to scatter seeds, the one we talked about a couple weeks ago. And he talks about the farmer who scattered seeds, and some of it falls along the hard path and it never takes root, and some of it falls along the thorny soil and it grows up quickly, but, but it doesn't have enough root and it's choked out. And he tells about how some of it falls along good soil and it eventually grows and becomes the kind of, the kind of produce that he wants. But then Jesus tells a different story in Mark chapter 4, if you want to turn in your Bibles there. In Mark chapter 4, he tells the story of the farmer who scattered seed, and then he tells the story of the light. And he, you know, you know you've heard the song, I, I, This Little Light of Mine, I'm Gonna Let It Shine. This is where that comes from. And he, starts, he shifts gears here, and he does it on purpose. And he, he tells this story on purpose because he knows they're all thinking about the seed, because it's this international mystery. They're, they're thinking about the seed, they're talking about the seed, and he wants them to stop for a second, and, but he wants them to keep chewing on it, and he says, think about the seed. Because then after he talks about the light, he comes back to the seed. And it says in, in chapter 4, verse 26, and he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. And they're like, oh, okay, we're back to seed, we're back to farming. And he says, sleeps and rises at night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows, and he knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts the sickle, because the harvest has come. And so when he's talking about the seed, he tells two very specific stories. He tells them the story first of the man who scatters the seed. And he tells them the story of the man who goes out and he lays it out and some of it falls by accident in different places, but the seed that intentionally falls in the place that he meant for it to fall is the seed that ends up having success. But amongst that, he tells a second story. And in the second story, there's something that happens. And he tells them, he says, listen, I want you to know that reaching people doesn't happen by accident. He said, there will be seed that falls in the wrong place. There will be seed that doesn't produce fruit. But then there comes a time when you'll have to understand that reaching people takes hard work. Reaching people takes hard work. Because sharing your faith is difficult. Because talking to other people about Jesus is, is tough. Right? We already talked about how there's easy ways out to be like, oh, I'm doing this, it's cool, everything's good. But the reality of life is that for us to be the kind of people who share our faith in a way that's intentional, in a way that cultivates relationships that really grow that faith is difficult. And it's not as if it's hard for us because it's the 21st century and it's America. This is not a new problem. In the book of 1 Corinthians, it's written by a guy named Paul, and Paul is what we call a super missionary, right? Paul, plant, Paul is, is a guy in the Bible who plants churches all over the world, who baptizes thousands of people. He's like a superstar in, in the faith. He's the kind of guy that if you're following Jesus, you wish you could be. But one of the churches that Paul starts is a church in Corinth. And at the church in Corinth, they have some difficulty. They have some difficulty because one of the guys that Paul baptizes is a guy named Apollos. And Apollos starts doing ministry after Paul leaves. And so there's some people who tell people, they say, well, I was baptized by, a Paul, by Paul, you were only baptized by Apollos, and you're not quite as good a Christian as me. And so Paul's writing in this letter in 1 Corinthians 3, he's saying, no, no, you don't get it. 
He said, it doesn't matter. And Paul himself, the superhero of the faith, says, it doesn't matter because Paul says, my job was just to plant the seed. And he says, Apollos watered it. And he said, Apollos' job sometimes is to plant the seed and someone else will water it. He says, all of us are just planting seeds and watering them. And then he says, and God gives the increase. Because Paul understood this truth is that the reality of reaching people is that reaching people is hard. The reality of the fact, the reason that there's 50,000 people in our area who don't know Jesus is because it's difficult. You know this because we've been challenging you for years to share your faith with the 50,000 and there's not 50,000 people here. You know this because you've probably shared your faith with one or two people and they might have said, okay. Maybe you talked to somebody about it and they said, it's not for me, I'm glad it works for you. And it kind of hurt. And it bothered you in a little bit. And he said, well, if that's what this is like, I'm out. Right? If that's what sharing your faith is, like if that's planting seeds, I'm not doing this. Because you, because you heard sharing your faith and you thought for sure like you'd walk up to your friend and you'd be like, you need Jesus. And they'd say, you're right. When am I getting baptized? Let's do this. But it's not how it works. N.T. Wright says this way. He says, the kingdom of God is here. He seemed to be saying, but it's not like you thought it was going to be. And I think for some of us, that's the reality is that we thought like, man, we heard this and we're ready to go tell people about Jesus, but then we went and told people about Jesus and they didn't say yes right away, so forget it. I'm not doing this. And I say this because I know. I say this because I know because I knew what I was preaching about today and we had to get the car worked on this week. And so I was at the auto dealership, and I'm writing a sermon about reaching people at the auto dealer, right? At, at the place where we're getting the car fixed. I'm trying to keep it anonymous in case you all know where we work, right? So I'm, I'm working, I have my headphones in because I don't want to talk to anybody because I'm a terrible minister sometimes. And um, so I'm working, and, and, and the, the person working behind the register, she's trying to make conversation with me. And she's like, so where do you work? And every time someone asks me where I work, there's always this moment where I want to lie to them and say, I work in construction, because they don't ask me any questions if I tell them I work in construction, right? Like, it's never like, oh, tell me what kind of things do you build, and let me tell you about my problems. Like if, but if I tell them I'm a pastor, then one of two things happen, and they start asking me questions about, my, about the church, or they start telling me about their problems, which is cool. It's my job, but there are times when I'm not in the mood to hear it. Is that a bad thing to tell you? Okay. So I was in one of those moments where I was like, I should tell this person construction, but I didn't. And I said, I'm a pastor. And they said, oh, really? What church? And I told them what church, and they'd been here for a wedding, and it might have been the wedding where I called the guy by the wrong name, and they laughed about that, and everybody thinks that's the funniest thing they've ever heard. And, you know, I'll never forget that moment. And, um, you know, and so they were like, what time do you have service, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, hey, this is cool. This This is what it's supposed to be like. And I was like, hey, 1030. And so, you know, like I invited this person, and all week I was praying for this person, and guess what? They're not here today. And I, in my heart, I, I probably knew they wouldn't be here. And maybe next week they will be. I mean, who knows what happened overnight? Who knows what happened this week? But it's hard, man. Like, it's not the first time we've been there. It's not the first time I've had a conversation with them. But sharing your faith with people, it's hard. 
Not to mention, I think I get a pass sometimes because you all invite people to church and they walk out and they go, I didn't like your preacher. And you can say, yeah, me neither. I feel bad for the guy. But if I invite people to church (laughs) and they say, I didn't like your preacher, I'm like, yeah, he's kind of lame, isn't he? Like, you know, it's like a little extra pressure for me. But there's this thing about sharing your faith with people. It's hard. But here's the thing about it is it's not an excuse to not do it. Because look at what Jesus said again. Remember, he said he sleeps and he rises day and night and the seed sprouts and grows and he knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. He doesn't know how it happens. Like, we know more of the science now, so we get it. But think about 2,000 years ago, he doesn't have a clue. But what does Jesus make clear? When the sprout comes, he can't take the sickle to it. When the blade comes, he can't take the sickle to it. He has to wait until the right time. He has to wait until the right time moment. Because the reality of reaching people is that reaching people takes time. Because there are friends of mine who I've known for nine years in this area who I have begged and pleaded with God. God, help me find a way to show them who you are. God, help me introduce them to you. God, help me invite them to church. And I've invited them to church and to different events and the things we've done and they've never darkened the doors of this place. And we've had conversations about spiritual things, and they've showed interest from time to time, and there have been seeds and watering and that kind of thing, but it never happens. I mean, there are people who come to church here now who five years ago we invited for the first time who just now started coming. Like, it's a reality. You can share stories of your own, of friends you have who you've invited to, to their kids to vacation Bible school or, or you've invited them to financial peace or anything, and, it, and they didn't come, but then years later down the road they did. Like, it's just reality that sometimes reaching people takes time. And that's why God tells the story of the story of a seed. Because you know that it doesn't sprout overnight and grow into the full-blown what it should be. Because it takes time. It takes time to ripen. It takes time to grow. It takes time to develop. I'll never forget um, September 11th, 2001. I was still in high school, but I was old enough to be paying attention to this thing, and I know how crowded churches were for the next couple of weeks afterwards. And I know they were crowded because there were people looking for answers, and I know that that the ministers all over were taking this opportunity, not to be opportunistic, but to take advantage of a moment when lots of people had been having seeds planted and watered for a long time and were ready for a harvest and were ready to hear this moment where, where finally some questions could be answered of some people who were ready to hear. And I, and I was thinking about that as we were talking about this and, and all of those opportunities, and I came across this article about a guy named Dave Gill who was a chaplain for the New York City Fire Department. And Dave Gill shares his, his moments being down towards the World Trade Center, down towards Ground Zero on September 11th, and he said it was the most amazing experience. And, and I want you to hear me out. I don't ever wish for something like that to happen again. I, I don't want to have an opportunity like that in our lifetime. But Dave Gill said it was one of the most incredible things because he said people wanted to know where is God in all of this evil and he said they would listen to anything he had to say. 
And he said, in the, in the article from 2001, he said, the city is primed for the gospel and no one is refusing prayer right now. And you had to think, this guy was talking to people from all sorts of, all of the boroughs and all of the areas of New York and all these people whom he really had never met. But for years and for decades, other people had planted seeds in those people. Other people had been watering and sharing with those people about the gospel and about Jesus and, about, and sharing in these moments about this is who Jesus is. And now Dave Gill, in this moment, had the opportunity to finally share who Jesus was. And this is a hard reality about, about sharing the gospel is that there may come a time in your life when that person moves away or leaves your life, for lack of a better word, and someone else sees the harvest of that. And selfishly in your own heart, that's going to feel difficult. But it's okay. Because if we plant and Someone else waters and God gives the increase. This isn't about growing this church. I've told you before that reaching the 50,000 is honestly not the best church growth strategy. I could probably off the top of my head think of two other ways that we could grow the church a lot faster than reaching out to people who don't already go to church. And I'm serious, I, I think that if we wanted to just increase numbers and get more butts in the seats, there are ways we could do it faster than reaching people who don't go to church, reaching people who don't know Jesus. But we're not interested in that. We're interested in, in, in reaching people who don't know Jesus. And we're interested in making a difference in the lives of people who don't know the gospel. And I'm going to be really blunt with you here, and I don't want to hurt your feelings, but I might. For some of you, you need to understand this point more than you've understood anything else today. Is that when Jesus tells these two stories about the farmer, he doesn't tell these as an option. He doesn't tell these stories as like, so, you know, if you feel like it, if you get around to it, if the mood strikes you, go plant some seeds. He very intentionally tells these stories as the story of a farmer because especially in the first century, the only way you lived is if you planted enough food for your family to eat. The only way you survived is if there was enough food for your family and the only way there was enough food for your family is if you planted it and grew it. So he chose the farmer because the farmer saved his family. So when he chooses the farmer to talk about reaching out and sharing the gospel with other people, He's telling everyone who hears this story for eternity, the gospel only survives if you're sharing it with other people. And so this is going to sound a little bit silly to some of you, but some of you need to hear this more than anything. Reaching people takes reaching out to people different than you. Reaching people requires you reaching out to people different than you. Because for some of you, like, when we start talking about reaching out to people who don't know Jesus, they're boom, 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 names right at the top of your head. But then for others of you, you're going, yeah, some of us should. But you can't think of a name because you just kind of sit around with the same people and you go to lunch with the same people and you only talk at work to the people who think like you do. And when you go home, you only talk to the neighbors who behave like you do. 
and at the grocery store, you make sure to avoid the people who don't buy the things that you don't buy. You know, I mean, whatever it is for you, like, you just don't talk to those people who don't know Jesus because you don't want to be seen with those people. You don't want to be around the people who don't talk like you. You don't want to be around the people who don't look like you, like, whatever that is. So I want to challenge you specifically to know first that I'm, I'm ashamed of you. Because sometimes I'm ashamed of Ben. Because there are times when I don't want to reach out to the people who don't look like me because it's a little bit harder. Because sometimes I don't want to reach out to the people who have as much money as me because it means I'm going to have to do things a little differently. Because sometimes I don't want to reach out to the people in the same family situation as me because it means I'm going to have to handle things a little bit differently. Because sometimes I don't want to reach out to people who think the same way as me because it's going to take a little more work and a little more thought. And so I'm ashamed of me and I'm ashamed of us but I know we can do this differently because I know that each of us know names right now off the top of our head of people who were thinking, this person, I have to start figuring out ways to share Jesus with them right now. I have to figure out ways to talk about Jesus with them soon. I have to figure out a way to build a relationship with them over the next couple of weeks and months to get to the point to share Jesus with them. I have a friend, um, I play basketball at the YMCA on a regular basis. I know, you, you can tell, right? It's obvious. And, um, and I, this is one of the guys that I play with all the time. Um, talk to him all the time, and we talk about what we have in common, and we have kids the same age. And... Uh, just yesterday, he saw my boys, and he said, you have kids the same age as mine? And I was like, yeah, we've talked about this before. And he's like, we should get our kids together sometime. And this light went off, and I was like, yes, we should. Because after months and months of just talking about basketball and work, there's going to come this moment when our kids are together, and there's going to be a moment for us to build that relationship just one step further. And then there's going to be another moment after that, and another moment after that. And I don't tell you that to brag, because honestly, it should have happened months ago, but I'm a little slow in the uptake sometimes. But this is, this is what's happened when you plant the seeds and water and grow. Because here's the reality. The reality is, is that each of us at some point in our lives heard a story that goes something like this. We can't do it right. We as people fell short. We couldn't, we couldn't follow all the rules. We can't get it all right. We can't, we can't do it right. We can't give it, we can't get it right. And so there comes this moment when we realize we're not good enough. And the only way for us to be who Jesus wants us to be is for us to come to Jesus and say, Jesus, the only hope that I have is in you. And the only reason we have any hope in Jesus is because he came down from heaven to earth. It's not because we've ever been good enough. It's not because we've ever gotten it right. It's not because we ever get it right. It's because Jesus came to earth and he died on a cross. And after he died on the cross, he rose again and he defeated death for all of eternity for us 
to have the hope that we can then take to the friends and the loved ones and the family that you and I share together. So here in just a moment, we're going to pass the bread and we're going to pass the cup. And when we do, I'm going to ask you to think of two things. The first is you're going to think one of two ways. The first you're going to think is is you're going to be thankful of who Jesus is to you because you're going to be thankful of what Jesus did for you, that you weren't good enough, that you weren't enough, that you weren't capable enough, but God still sent Jesus to save you. Or maybe if you haven't reached that moment in your life, you're going to start thinking, God, give me the courage to say to someone today that I need Jesus in my life, that I need Jesus to save me to have a conversation about what it looks like to give your heart to Jesus, to give your life to Jesus, to be baptized and say, God, I'm ready to serve you. I'm ready to be a part of you. The second thing I want you to think about is that name. Maybe those two names. For me, it's about nine, maybe ten names right now, just running a all of these friends and all of these places that I know and, and all these people who I'm thinking, I'm, I'm too chicken to have this conversation right now, but I know I need to. This is me, right? Like, I know I need to invite them. I know I need to just say, hey, can we talk about the reason I'm a pastor? Hey, can we talk about the reason I've been building this friendship with you? And just think, God, give me the courage to not let this moment pass by. And for you, maybe it's nine or ten names. Maybe it's one. Maybe it's mom. Maybe it's dad. Maybe it's husband, maybe it's wife, maybe it's son, maybe it's daughter, maybe it's friend. But as you take the bread and take the cup, pray for that name. And pray for the courage to plant seeds, to water the growth, to say, God, give us a moment this week to have the conversation.